Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, they're back for another week of the Organic Gardeners on this Mother's Day. So if you want to join Doug Oster and Jessica Wallace, please call 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdkradio.com, and you can text them on the Red Automotive line. Plus, the 10th caller right now wins a $25 gift certificate from Sorgles at 412-922-1020. And speaking of Sorgles, Jess will be there Thursday. More on that in a moment. But right now, Doug and Jess and this week's edition of Mother's Day and the Organic Gardeners. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Doug Oster from EverybodyGardens.com and the Tribune Review. And I'm horticulturist Jessica Wallacer. And happy, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Day, Jess. Well, thanks. And happy Mother's Day to all the mamas out there. Yep. Yep, it's a special day. Take care of mom. I always do something on Thursdays on uh, Pittsburgh Today Live, and the first thing I say with those plants is, like, if you're going to give mom a plant, plant it for her. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it's a good, don't give her a tree they and walk away. Fun, they thought it was funny, too, that I, like, included fertilizer, and they're just like, yeah, the gift that keeps giving, fertilizer. I said, no, that's, like, if you give mom a hanging basket, give her this nice thing of, of fertilizer, and she'll be happy that you did. Yep, and maybe stop over every day to water it. Yeah. <laughs> Every other day. Have lunch while you're there. Every other hour. Spend some time with mom, you know. Let's not yeah. get carried away. Once a year. <laughs> well, what an explosion of green, huh? How about it? It yeah, feels so like good. Overnight, like it just everything. And the dogwoods are blooming. Yep. You know, one thing real quick. Uh, if you have not been out to, to the Pittsburgh Botanic Garden near Settler's Cabin, their uh, dogwood meadow is phenomenal. And it's mm. in full bloom right now. Uh, I just love the dogwoods, although I've got a, a pink one I'm going to have to start working on. I think I'm going to do it for a video here this week, start fertilizing it. This nice. doesn't look good. Oh, geez. Well, uh, it is uh, It is definitely blooming and crazy out there, but there's been a lot of news about um, things being late, so blooming later. And one of the biggest pieces of evidence of this happened in my backyard. For the first time ever, we had a Baltimore Oriole at the Hummingbird Feeder. And I've been seeing all over social media people in western Pennsylvania that have had Baltimore Orioles trying to get the nectar out of their hummingbird feeders. And I read a news piece that said the reason that this is happening is because they normally um, will drink nectar from tulip trees this time of year. But the tulip trees blooming is several weeks behind. And so the Baltimore Orioles that are now here and ready to set up nesting don't have a source for nectar so they're coming after our hummingbird feeders so one of the things they suggested you do is if you have a feeder with those ant guards on it is to pop the ant guards off temporarily so that the baltimore oreos can access that nectar um, until they set up shop with their nests then they switch over to eating insects so i thought that was really interesting yeah that is interesting speaking of ants uh you'll see them all over your peonies right now and don't worry about it (laughs) yep they're outside that's where they're supposed to be but they they get the nectar from those little buds. Yeah, a lot of people think that they help the peonies open, but they actually don't. What they're doing is there's a sticky uh, extra floral nectary that's produced in some glands on the outside of that peony bud, and those uh, ants are after that. And sometimes you'll see some surfid flies and other beneficial insects feeding on that nectar as well. So it's a pretty cool 
thing to do. But I would love to come uh, for you to come see me on Thursday. I'm going to be at Sorgles uh, right off of the Wexford exit of 79. And I'm going to be giving a talk on Savvy Container Gardening. And I would love to see you there. It is at 7 p.m. on Thursday. It's $5 to register for the class. But then you get that 5 bucks back in the form of a $5 gift certificate that you can use in the garden center to purchase some really great plants. They would like you to call to pre-register so they know how many chairs to set up. And the number at Sorgles is 724 724- Nine three five two zero nine zero, and I hope to see you there. Well, speaking of sorgos, I'll be there next Sunday. It's the sixteenth annual Everybody Gardens Doug Oster Plant Swap and Giveaway, ten a.m. to eleven a.m. Come right at ten a.m. where the craziness starts. <laughs> be at sorgos, bring perennials and other plants to trade, labeled and please nothing invasive. And as always, I'm giving away Limbaugh Legacy Potato Top Tomatoes. That's the one that the late Fr- Fred Limbaugh gave me back in 2000. I've been giving it away since then. And then I have a, a new one I'm giving away. It's called 3945. It was a tomato that was introduced to me by the late Dan Cummings. Dan just passed away about uh, in March. And he helped uh, name the variety that was found on the battlefield of World War II by Joe Roberts. Both tomatoes are great heirlooms. And all I ask is that you get those tomatoes, grow them out, Send me a few seeds back. So next Sunday, 10 o'clock, Sorgles. It's the plant swap and giveaway. Hope to see you there. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and get to your calls. We'd love to hear from you. Congratulations to Jane from Scott Township, winner of that Sorgles gift certificate. Now back to gardening. We'd love to hear from you, the organic gardeners. It is Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser, 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank, instant access, kdkradio.com. And you can text us on the right automotive line. Once again, Doug and Jess. And let's say hi to Kay in the North Hills. Good morning, Kay. Welcome to KDK Radio. Um, I have a problem with my black raspberries, and then I have another question. It, they're, the, my leaves are tor- turning orange. Do ah, you know what that is? Yes. You have a fungal disease called rust that does okay. sometimes strike uh, raspberries, especially black raspberries. And, um, yeah, it's not the kiss of death, which is the good news for you on oh, this good. Mother's Day. Right. But I would suggest that you, um, it, it's really tough mm-hmm. once this pathogen takes hold. You're better off doing a preventative. But I would still start using a, a biofungicide like Serenade, which is uh, the brand name. It's called Serenade. And it's one that's actually very good to use because it's safe for edible crops like those okay. raspberries. So you have to be really careful, obviously, what fungicides you choose to use on edibles. Um, And that will help control its spread. It won't necessarily get rid of the rust that's already on there, but it will keep it from becoming worse. And you got to get the top and the undersides of all of the leaves. Should I cut them out of there before it goes everywhere? Yeah, you certainly could. If it's just on a few leaves at this time, you definitely want to cut it out um, and throw them away in a garbage bag or burn them. Don't throw them in the compost pile. And then make sure when you're done that you take some Lysol spray or a 10% bleach solution and sanitize the clippers and your gloves okay. if you used those when you were trimming them off because you don't that can make it spread as well. Okay, but it's not going to kill them? No, huh? And what was your okay. second question? Will they still produce? They should, yes. Especially okay. if you get it in check now. Okay, I'll try to do that. And the other question, have you ever heard of Queen Palmer's Revenge? No, it's but an it's... invasive plant. Queen Palmer's Revenge. What oh, does it look like? I thought that was a like? movie from the 30s with Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> it's, there's another name for it. Uh, actually, my son has it in Colorado. He doesn't know how to get rid of it. What does it look like? I mean, is it flowering? Is it evergreen? Right now it's green. 
And okay. it's kind of... And tell us the name again, Queen... Queen Palmer's Revenge. All right, we're going to do a little research and see if we can find something out about that. So keep listening, okay? Let's say hi to Bill in Paris, PA. Bill, welcome to the Organic Gardeners. You're on KDK Radio. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my question is, uh, well, two questions. Number one, the uh, on your tomato plants, uh, when you do use Serenade, do you use it as a preventive or do you wait till you see a problem with your, uh, as we know, the early blights and different things right. such as that? Yeah, that's an excellent question because with most fungicides, they are best used as a preventative. However, Doug and I always say, you know, don't spray something as a just-in-case. You always spray it only if you need it. And so what I usually do is kind of find a balance between those two. And if we are having a spring after you plant your tomatoes that is particularly wet where we have a lot of rain, that is almost a perfect storm for fungal issues. And so if we have a season with a lot of rain, if you're hearing other gardeners talk about, you know, that the blight is striking their garden early, that is definitely a sign that you need to go ahead and start using it as a preventative. Would you? Would I recommend that you automatically do it with tomatoes no matter what? No. Um, I would okay. say you got to wait and watch the weather conditions. And now I I have a, also have a 10, 10 by 10... Uh, raised garden uh, how many tomato plants did you suggest you put in that uh, i've i've been trying about all combinations have you have you had but, trouble with uh, early blight and septoria leaf spot uh consistently for the last three four seasons not really okay good, uh, good, I, good. I i have had i have had it on uh, some of my uh, earth boxes that i have treated but it, it, it the blight affects them somewhat, but not it doesn't wipe me out right. a long ways. But uh, you know, I've garden I've garden friends that like to put those tomatoes on five foot centers, you know, to keep them, and they have a really good soil, and they get really big tomatoes, and they they're the reason they're putting them spaced out like that is they want them to have great air circulation, and when they're a jungle and close together. Often they'll they'll get uh, early blight or septoria leaf spot those early fungal issues that we deal with. I want to talk about this just for a minute. Where one of the things that I'm doing is I'm saving room in the garden and I'm planting later. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm planting those these first plantings. You know, but when it weather like this for what's all week, right, right, <laughs> that's just you're like I said, just perfect storm for for fungal issues. But I'm I'm waiting and I'm planting every week or so all the way to July fourth as a way to, to beat these fungal issues. When you plant a really quick-growing tomato like a sun gold or an early girl or a red racer, whatever it might be, in June and July, they don't get the fungal issue because they're not dealing with this cool weather and cool temp- cool soil temperatures and all the rain. And in addition to spacing them properly, you can also make sure that you choose shorter-statured varieties, so ones that are varieties that we call determinate which means they stay more compact and smaller. They don't get big and crazy and and overgrown. And so that will also help you fit more tomato varieties in that 10 by 10 planter box. What do you think about that succession planting like that? Do you want to get all your planting done on the first day? Do you want to just get it done? With my tomatoes, I do plant them all at one time. And then what I do is I just, I make sure my bed is mulched immediately after planting. Yeah, that's a good one. Even before I water those plants in, I get mulch because you don't want the uh, fungal spores, which live in the soil, to splash up onto that foliage. I like to take the bottom leaves off. 
you, know, you can do that. That will also help. So there's distance. there's techniques that you can do keeping the plants upright, keeping them well staked, keeping them well pruned. Also will cut down on that fungal disease. And he mentioned his earth boxes, and I would like to stress this to all container gardeners. The blights, septoria leaf spot, can actually overwinter on the pots themselves. So I always recommend either at the end of the gardening season or before you start the planting and filling them this year is to scrub them out with a 10% bleach solution and use a toilet brush. Scrub the inside and outside of the pot and that will kill any organisms that are on there because they can easily reinfect a plant even just through contact with that container. You saw some crazy tomatoes at May Market, huh? I was so excited at May Market at Phipps, which was Friday and Saturday. Uh, there were so many great vendors there. It was just incredible. It was a little condensed because they're doing a lawn renovation there. So everybody was sort of crammed together. But boy, oh boy, Doug, I got a tomato that I I seldom buy tomatoes without doing a little research first to find out, you know, about their flavor and their color and everything. But I saw the name of this one and I had to have it. It's called Dancing with Smurfs. (laughs) And is a little cherry tomato. The bottom of the cherry tomato is red and the top of the cherry tomato is that indigo purple, a dark, dark ink purple. And uh, and I am so excited to Isn't try that, them. That's just one of the fun things of gardening. Yeah. You know, especially for somebody like you who loves to research, but just to look at a name and say, I have to have I gotta, it. Yep. You know, that's like for me, it was the, uh, oh, I forgot, the name went out of my head now, the mint julep one. I can't remember the first two names of it, but, you know, something, something, mint julep. Those are those have sprouted. And good news in the greenhouse, the... Yellow torch, which I lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually had one little pot I forgot about, a little six-inch pot, so I had a couple of those. But I replanted Tithonia for us, so I got two flats of Tithonia right. that have sprouted. We'll see if we can keep them from from rodents getting right. to them. Or I'm or crossing plums. my fingers yes, for I'm, them. We're trying. <laughs> Dollar Bank Instant Access, two minutes before the break. Here is the question. What can I use to kill weeds in my lawn that's not harmful to my pets? Well, Very important question. Yeah, you know, we love burnout. But again, you you got to use it selectively. You know, burnout's going to kill your grass too. Um, so you, you just have to you have to watch it. You know, we got lots of other organic weed killers. You know, we always stress any problem in the garden you can deal with without reaching for chemicals. Absolutely. And the one that I like for lawn care are the products that are based on uh, chelated iron. There are weed killers out there that have um, iron as their active ingredient. And the reason this works so well is because the iron is really easily absorbed by broad-leaved plants like the plantain and the dandelions and those other types of weeds that grow in your lawn. But it is actually, and it absorbs so much that it actually poisons them. It becomes toxic. But on the lawn, the grass actually really thrives and enjoys that iron. So there's a product called Iron X that works really well. Um, there is lawn weed killer Whitney, from Whitney Farms. Farms. Yep, Whitney Farms lawn weed killer that you can use. And so any of those iron-based fertilizers are organic. They're safe to use around your pets. Um, obviously, you want to skip any of those weed and feed products that have 2,4-D as the active ingredient because, man, they're uh, really harsh chemicals. So, yep. How harsh? Very harsh. As harsh really as, harsh. As harsh as seeing you uh, dance with these Smurfs. <laughs> I mean, you know what? That was harsh. Speaking of harsh. <laughs> Dancing with the Smurfs. Dancing with I Smurfs. I thought other... it was a great name for a oh, tomato. I, mean, it, I think it's wonderful, too. It is. It's all that garden <laughs> magic that you guys bring every That's week. Right. All right, listen. What's the song? Stay with us because we'll come back with the Smurfs, the Lollipop Kids, and, of course, Doug and Jess. So please give us a call, 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank, instant access, kdkradio.com. Good morning. 
All right, big Mother's Day plan out of Janoski's in Clinton. They're getting ready to spend the entire day until about 7 o'clock tonight. So we're going to give somebody an opportunity to win a $25 gift certificate if they're the 10th caller at 412-922-1020. And now back to uh, Doug and Jess and more of the Organic Gardeners. Let's say hi to uh, Pam in Highland Park. Good morning, Pam. Good morning. I am calling because I have a bank that is filled with wild onions, and last year (laughs) I tried to get a few of them out, Uh, and I dug deeply, and uh, I thought I got them all out, and it's worse this year than it ever was. Can you help me? I feel your pain. (laughs) No, I can't help you. (laughs) Oh, please. Love your wild onions. I, I guess the positive of wild onions is that they shift into complete and total dormancy by mid to late June. And that's why you thought you got them all, because they do die back completely because they're a cool weather weed. Uh, but unfortunately, those little baubles that uh, are underground continue to spread even when the tops are not active. So, Jess, you'll disagree with me. I, I just say cut them down, you know, weed whack them down and don't mess with them. I know you like to dig them out, right? Mm-hmm. You, oh. Yeah, I know. And digging them out is such a chore. I mean, I tried to do it last year and look what happened. I wish I could tell you that there was some little magic, something you could sprinkle on there to get rid of them. There really isn't. And this is, you know, I'm not just speaking organically. I'm, you know, I'm also speaking from chemical lawn treatments, which I would never, ever recommend that you do in the first place. But even those are not effective against the wild onions. Hand removal with a deep shovel. Either you have to get the surrounding soil as well uh, out Day. of there. But yeah, don't do it on, Mother's, on Day. Mother's Day. That just Day. seems cruel and unusual yes. on oh, Mother's Day. Awful. But yeah, I wish I had a better reply for you. But unfortunately, I don't. All right. Let's get to uh, take care of some of these wonderful text messages that are coming in via the Right Automotive text line. The best deal in town. Good organic fertilizer for kickstarting sweet basil. Well, you know, that biotone uh, from Espoma for starting things out is just a, is a great one. But we use all that Espoma stuff, you know, love uh, Garden Tone, you know, uh, Holly Tone. But Garden Tone would be fine. There's there's liquid ones. I love that liquid one from Espoma called Grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually won't have one called Start. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't want to use that one called finish. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I would caution you with with sweet basil is it, it is ex- most of the varieties, in fact, all but one or two, are very uh, prone to basil downy mildew, which is a fungal pathogen that only strikes basil. And having a lot of tender new growth come out of the plant all at once can increase your susceptibility to it. So follow the label instructions for that fertilizer and don't overapply. Don't put more in, say more I, is better. Don't do it twice as often. Follow the label instructions so that you don't get too much active growth too quickly. When I think quickly. about basil, I'm, you know, if it's in a container, that's all I'm giving them is a little bit of that grow. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't have to, you know, basil grow like crazy. I have another one for you guys. It says, good morn. And shortly, of course, we're talking good morning here. My friend would like to know, can you transplant jewel weed into a raised bed to grow closer to the home? He wants to try to make his own salve and soap. What do you think? Thanks so much. Well, if you wanted to, you could do it pretty easily. I mean, that jewel weed <laughs> pulls out easy. And I love jewel weed, but I don't want, you know, I, I take probably half of it out. I leave some because I love the, it's a type of impatient, actually. If you look at the flower, that's really beautiful and yeah, they say that it always grows next to poison ivy as a, a prevent as a cure maybe. for poison Not ivy. Not a cure, but, but yeah, 
relief from poison ivy. But I guess you I could think do they it would transplant really easily. Yeah, or you could just collect a couple of the seed pods later in the season and sprinkle them around in the raised bed, and you will probably have more jewelweed than you could ever want. The, yeah, I've already started pulling it out. <laughs> Here we go, folks. One more. What's the best way to get rid of Japanese knotweed? Oh, my gosh. Oh, you, okay, so I'd like to say to the onion lady, <laughs> it could be worse. <laughs> you could have Japanese knotweed instead of wild onions, which are way worse. The only way onions. I've ever been able to deal with it is continual top cutting. That's once a week for two years. That's the only way I've ever been able to deal with it. Do you have any better ideas? Yeah, that's, Tarping? I don't know. Yeah, well, and that is, there have been a bunch of studies done. Again, we're going back, you know, with the conventional and organic. And actually what they have found at uh, University of California, Davis, the best method for getting rid of Japanese knotweed is a method called tarping, which is where you cut the sprouts all the way down to the ground. You cover the entire area with a very dark, very thick tarp, like one you would use to cover a boat. And you bury the edges uh, uh, several feet out from the perimeter of the patch of Japanese Japanese knotweed and bury that edge and keep that patch covered for and you can put mulch on top of it if you want but you keep that patch covered for a couple of years and it'll eventually starve the roots out but that continual top kill is the second best where you are anytime you see a sprout you literally remove it and you're cutting off photosynthesis to the roots and eventually starving them out let's go to sunny in allison park sunny good morning welcome to kdk radio good morning guys I have a dogwood tree. I'd say it's about 20 years old, about 15 foot tall. I'm looking at it out through my kitchen window. Parts of it are blooming, beautiful. Other parts, I don't know if it's dead or what. No blooms at all. Could it come back another year, or would you say those limbs have no leaves, no blooms? The tree is dead. Well, not the tree itself, but I'm in the same situation as you are. We were talking about it earlier. I've got a, a pink dogwood where there's a bottom branch. There's nothing on it. There's no leaves. There's no flowers. If you go up and reach to the one of the small branches on that bigger branch, and it just cracks off, that part's dead. You know, dead is dead. But that doesn't mean the whole tree is gone. It just means that it's struggling. Oftentimes, I find that with dogwoods, you can bring them back with some holly tone. They're shallow rooted. Don't like to be out in the full sun. Uh, you know, very susceptible to. Uh, they can't stand drought. Uh, so usually. If, for a, a tree like that, I'm I'm just adding holly tone. But there are some other problems that dogwoods have, especially our native dogwood. Yeah, they can get anthracnose, which is a pretty terrible fungal disease that does oftentimes display as branch dieback like that. So actually, I would, you know, if you're very concerned about the tree and you want to make sure that you preserve it, I would suggest that you call the folks at Davy Tree. And have one of their arborists come out. They come out and assess it for free, and they'll take a look at it. They'll be able to tell you if anthracnose is an issue and how to treat it. And that would really be provide a, a solid answer as to what's going on with the tree. All right. Congratulations to Paul Cannesburg, winner of that Janoski's gift certificate. Hey, coming up Thursday, go out and see Jessica Wallace here at Sorgles. Yes, I will be there Thursday evening at 7 p.m. I'm going to be giving a talk on growing in containers and talking about some really great varieties of vegetables and flowers and fruits for container culture. It costs $5, but you get that 5 bucks back in the form of a gift certificate to use at the garden center there. So uh, you can give Sorgles a call to register, 724-935-2090. And then come see me on next Sunday. It's the 16th annual Everybody Gardens Doug Oster Plant Swap. 10 a.m. at Sorgles Sunday. We are swapping perennials. Bring your stuff labeled, nothing invasive. And I'm giving away some great heirloom tomatoes from the Pittsburgh area, Limbaugh Legacy Potato Top Tomatoes. And 
3945, which was found on the battlefield of World War II. We have a lot of fun. Just 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Come at 10 a.m. for the craziness, and you'll be back out <laughs> easily from Sargos at 11 a.m. How long have you two been doing this show? Uh, It'll be, be 13, 13 years, years in June. June. Jinx. Yeah, we, always talk ab- we always talk about lower borough, but there's no upper borough, is there? <laughs> really? I'm just curious. I mean, you're, you're a journalist. You should know these things. There's Lower Borough, which we're going to talk to Rich in a moment, but I've never heard of Upper Borough. Well, you know where Laurel Borough is, right? Yeah, kind of. Okay, well, just look up. <laughs> yeah. The sky is falling, chicken little. Let's go to Rich in Lower Borough. Rich, how are you? Good morning. Welcome to KDK Radio. Good morning, and there is an Upper Borough. I told you. See? See? <laughs> All right. What's going on? Uh-huh. My question is on, I have access to these trimming from the trees with the companies do along the roads, Ooh. the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, not knowing if it's disease or not, is it a good idea to use it for mulch around my Fellenberg grape tree or my so- apple trees or my peach trees? Yeah, this is a great question, and I'm really glad you asked it because I actually recently had to do a bunch of research on this very topic for an article that I wrote for Fine Gardening Magazine about different mulches and where you can use them and how you can use them and all that stuff. And the current research says that there is a very, very minuscule chance of any disease moving from a chipped arborist mulch into a live living plant. Um, it's just the the chances of it are just so tiny. So that is not something that we have to worry about when using those mulches. However, with those fresh arborist chips, you do want to be careful about which type of plant material you want to apply it to. So it is not a good bet for shallow-rooted plants like annuals or vegetables or perennials. You don't want to use that those arborist chips around those plants um, simply because they can steal a little bit of nitrogen from the very tippy-top layer of the soil as they decompose, and that can cause a nitrogen deficiency in those shallow-rooted plants. But they are perfect for around trees and shrubs, and they're great at uh, holding in soil moisture, and eventually as they break down, they release nutrients. So for that purpose, they're excellent. Thank you very much. You're welcome very much. could also let them compost if you wanted. Absolutely, yep. Put them in a pile somewhere and let them rot. All right, listen, let's say hi to Pat and Butler. We've got about four minutes left in the broadcast before we take some commercials right to the top of the hour. So, Pat, good morning. Welcome to KDK Radio. How are you? I have a question about a rose bush. I have an absolutely gorgeous rose bush that I have had for maybe eight or ten years. I never knew what it was, but very, very fragrant, very full, blooms a lot of the summer. This year it is just looking mostly brown, and I don't know whether it actually is dead or whether any of the um, branches on it that seem like they don't have any life, should I cut them off and wait and see what happens? Any green growth Um, at all? I don't see any at all, and I just never, never experienced this with this bush. Yeah, it was a pretty tough winter, primarily because we had that little warm patch in the middle, which started for a lot of plants, started sort of a a little initial steps of growth. And then we had Mm -hmm. a blast of cold weather after that, which then kicked those plants back. So I would not give up totally on that rose, but I would definitely prune it back to if you do happen to see any live buds developing way down on the base of the plant, you can cut back down to those buds. Um, Or if you're not even seeing anything, just cut it back to maybe 12 inches tall and maybe give it a little bit of rose tone and cross your fingers. But I would say if by early June you're not seeing any signs of life on there, that it's probably a goner, unfortunately. these, These things happen. 
I lost a lot of plants. If this I year. need to replace, do you have any suggestions? I want something fragrant, something pretty, a, you know, a nice. It seemed to be a very sturdy bush. Yeah, but I don't know what it was. I love the Easy Elegance line of roses. Um, there, it's a branded line. It's called Easy Elegance. They're at almost all the local garden centers. You can call and ask if they have. They have a whole bunch of them. They're really disease resistant, very easy to maintain. They have a lot of beautiful varieties. You want to look for one, obviously, that has some good fragrance. But that is a good, low maintenance, you know, easy to take care of rose. And I love David Austin roses. Also little, great. A little harder yeah. to take care of, but I just just look at David Austin's. Just look online and just take a look at them. There are some disease resistant ones, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember that one that because uh, they're a senior rosarian comes on once a year and talks to us. Uh, Michael Marriott, and he told us there was a new one that came out, which name I can't remember, and it's white and it's disease-resistant. I've got one called Gertrude Jekyll that I just love. It's it's pink and has that old-fashioned flavor, uh, flower shape and then also has that outstanding fragrance. Got to have fragrance if you're going to grow roses. All right. Well, hopefully you'll find one that you love, and as much as the one that uh, might not have made it, but, you know. There's a lot of good choices out there. You just have to do your research and shop around a little bit. There's a ton of different roses. It's confusing, I think, for people. You know, there's so many different types of landscape roses, you know, like your flower carpets and knockouts and shrub roses and climbers. Uh, I love love roses, though. Yeah. And I don't have the sun to grow them, yet Gertrude Jekyll does good. And then that one climber I have, that Zephyrine Drohene, thornless and doesn't need full sun that thing it blooms like crazy yeah. and it's, it's fragrant it, and i was surprised with this winter it, it came back like crazy oh good good well, but i lost two japanese maples two and a half. Oh no yeah two and a half japanese maples i was uh i was at best feeds and uh they were telling me there that they had some serious problems with japanese maples and he had a good idea he was like pruning them to make them more bonsai I'm like, that's a good idea because I lost my central. So they have a lot of dead branches pruning them back. I lost a central leader on a Japanese maple. It's about three years old. And then my favorite Japanese maple that I bought again three years ago is gone. Mm. It was just, it was, it must be marginally hardy, I guess. Yeah. You know, it was that one that uh, in the winter, the bark is like orange and red and Mm -hmm. oh, it's just beautiful. There's one little stem left. I, you know, I don't. What are you going to do if you have, you know, everything's gone except one little stem. Yeah. I hope that it's, that's, I'm going to have to replace it with something, and I don't know what. So that's part of gardening, though. You know, it instead is. of looking back, we need to look forward, look at some. I do have some uh, new cool varieties I want to take a look at and see what to put in. But, uh, yeah, what can it's you do? That's the way it goes, right? 20 years ago, I would have been heartbroken. Now I'm just looking forward. Remember, the organic gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden. And a safer place to live. Happy Mother's Day. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t